Hello, and welcome to Reclaiming Our Canon. I know it's been a while since I've been with you all. I'm trying to keep up with this podcast with my very crazy schedule, and I'm thankful to Classical Academic Press for giving me the flexibility to do episodes as I have the time. I will try to be more consistent, but you better know that something will come here throughout the year that shares some new enlightenment that I have discovered in this journey to looking at how the canon is relevant to all of humanity. The title of this podcast is Reclaiming Our Canon. I chose that with great intention. Some people asked me to name it after myself, and there were other names. Some wanted to name it the Black Intellectual Tradition. But all of those titles that were suggested to me felt very self-centered. I don't want this to be just about Anika or Dr. Prather, as some may say. I don't want this to be about just Black people. My hope is to bring to you many stories of diverse people who have found much inspiration and hope and enlightenment in the works of the canon. Today, we're going to leave America for a little while, and we're going to go into Africa, and we're going to meet Chinua Achebe, the author of Things Fall Apart. Now, some may hear me say that and wonder, well, what does Chinua Achebe have to do with classical education? Well, I'm so glad you asked. I'm hoping that this podcast will go over briefly all of the different ways that his writings connect to the classical tradition. Chinua Achebe was born November 16th, 1930 in Nigeria. His father was an evangelist and his mother was a leader in the church and a vegetable farmer. He was from the Igbo people of Nigeria. And most of his writings focus on teaching us about Igbo life. He was a very brave author because he made the decision to tell the story of his people through the language of English as opposed to the tongue of his tribe. And he got a lot of pushback for that. And his response to that was, I want to be able to tell the story of my people in a universal language so that all people can come to appreciate the life of my people and read about it and understand it and connect to it. The other part that influenced Chinua Achebe was he was classically educated. In his book, Um, There was a country, it's kind of a memoir of his life. He talks about how the education he received was classically inspired and that his father and mother also were educated in the same way. And he recognized that this type of education came as a result of the colonization that was happening in Nigeria. But instead of him writing from a place of bitterness about that, He chose to write about it and show how it could have been seen as a positive thing. He turned something so negative and used it for good. And he's not doing this in a way to forget the horrors that happened as a result of colonization in his country, but he's doing something 
that I feel scripture commands us to do, which it says, realizing that all things work together for the good. And so he's looking at this classical education as something that could be used for good. And the main thing he got from that classical learning that he turned to something good was that it gave him the language and literacy to be the owner and master of his own story. He kind of touches on this in his book, Things Fall Apart. In the very last passage of the book, he mentions something along the lines of when one of the colonizers recognizes the tragedy. I don't want to do any spoilers here, so I'm trying not to tell the whole story because I want you to read Things Fall Apart. I'm going to give a few hints in this podcast, though, and hopefully it'll whet your appetite to go get the book for yourself. But at the end of it, when the tragedy ends, one of the colonizers says, oh, what an interesting story. Maybe I'll write this story myself and make a few edits. And that's kind of like the last line of the book. And I feel like that was Chinua Achebe's using the positive nature of, of learning classically to translate a story that talked about how colonization also involved a stealing of Africans' stories. And that the African people, specifically Nigerian or Igbo people, need to take the education they receive from the West and take back their stories. To me, I feel Chinua Achebe helps us understand why classical education has connected to so many of us. Sometimes we think about colonization, we feel seeds of bitterness birth in our heart, and we become angry that people of color have been forced to learn a certain body of knowledge. And we think that colonization has successfully erased our stories. But when I think about how different authors will often speak about the inspiration they receive through their classical education, I'm finding that colonization also gave diverse people this language and literacy to own their story and to be their own storyteller. There's an African proverb that says, if the lion does not tell his story, the hunter will. Chinua Achebe understood that I have to master this literacy and this language so that the colonizer does not take my story and make it what he wants it to be. So what he does in writing his books is he tells the story in English, but he's all throughout his books, he puts different Igbo words. He even, in Things Fall Apart, he even has a glossary in the back so you can understand what each of those Igbo words means. So he is really um, taking on control of his narrative and also positioning himself to be a teacher to the world of his own language, the language of the Igbo people. It's really very powerful how he takes something that can be seen as a negative, such as colonization, and he flips that experience and he uses it 
to empower himself to take back his story. Chinua Achebe was so intentional about telling his story that he wrote a series of novels. And his list of novels is not that long. But he wrote a trilogy that really goes through several generations of an Igbo family. One of his books, his first book is Things Fall Apart, probably his most famous book. And I love this book. His next book that he wrote after Things Fall Apart, which is a continuation of this story, is No Longer at Ease. And then at the end of the end of the trilogy is Arrow of God. Chinua Achebe also wrote A Man of the People and Ant Hills of the Savannah. The other thing that I really love about Chinua Achebe is how honest he is about his feelings about colonization, racism, indoctrination in education when colonizers come into a predominantly Black space and try to re-educate Black children in a way that causes them to forget their heritage or the truth of their story. And he talks about often his struggle with placing his own four children in schools that were that were in Nigeria where there were mostly white teachers and in order to combat the false narratives about the life of his people he wrote a children's book called Chike and the River and so Chinua Achebe's writing his work in that was a sort of peaceful and gracious activism because what he doesn't do is he doesn't reject the western tradition he doesn't reject the canon he doesn't reject classical education instead he does something that i have found many of my african american ancestors do is he takes that tradition and he 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 acknowledges this effort to erase his heritage. But then he empowers himself to say, hmm, let me use this that may want to erase me to rewrite me for the world so that I am never forgotten. And his example in this has been an inspiration to so many authors. Toni Morrison has an essay where she praises Chinua Achebe and she even faults herself for taking so long to read his literature and how it inspired her even more to be the griot of her people. So that word griot, what does it mean? A griot is a storyteller. Alex Haley, at the beginning of his book, Roots, says, I acknowledge immense debt to the griots, or tribal poets, of Africa, where today it is rightly said that when a griot dies, it is as if a library has burned to the ground. That griot was often seen as someone in the tribe of say the Igbo people, for example, who was the who kept the oral tradition, who kept the stories alive of their people, but it was a lot of times oral. Alex Haley, like Chinua Achebe, said, we're not gonna let these libraries burn to the ground. Ooh, I just get goosebumps 
thinking about that. Chinua Achebe took his classical education that he gained from the, the, the colonized education he received in Nigeria and said, we're not going to let this grill, this library die. So even though Chinua Achebe is gone, we have a treasure trove of literature from him. We have novels, we have poems, we have children's books, we have short stories all written by Chinua Achebe, that is this physical library. The stories did not die when his voice died. And Alex Haley, who wrote the book Roots, and even though he has passed on, he happened to be, his father was actually my dad's teacher. I love the connections in my family. Alex Haley said, we're not going to let the story of how black people were taken from the continent of Africa and brought across the ocean into the slave trade and how our people came up from that to find a new identity and space in this foreign land. We're not going to let that story, the library of that story, die in the illiterate voices of my people who have passed on. I am going to write this story so that it is never lost. Chinua Achebe kept documenting the story of his people. Just like Phyllis Wheatley, when she would write her poems, she was documenting her life experience, which was the experience of millions of others who came through into America as a result of the slave trade. The slave narrative, Frederick Douglass's autobiographies, Malcolm X's autobiography, Martin Luther King's journals that turned into his autobiography. Zora Neale Hurston, who wrote so many stories that told about just black life in America. Toni Morrison, Anna Julia Cooper. And what do all of these people have in common? and so many more with Chinua Achebe. The fact that they took their classical education, whether they were self-taught or actually formally school, uh, schooled, and told their stories. They kept these libraries from burning to the ground. They became the griots of the Black experience and put pen to paper to preserve this story for themselves, as opposed to a white person hearing this story and, and translating it. And I know many authors have done that. I know Harriet Beecher Stowe was a storyteller and she sought to capture the story of the African-American enslaved person as best as she could as a white woman. And so many fault her for doing that. There's a story of Sojourner Truth who just one day, literally out of the blue, walked up to Harriet Beecher Stowe's house and knocked on the door, like no invitation, <laughs> just walked up and knocked on the door. And Harriet Beecher Stowe opens the door and is really shocked to see her. And Sojourner invites herself in and she says something along the lines of, I just want to see this woman who thought she could tell our stories. 
long, very long story short, though, is so Sojourner, you know, she was not literate. And but yet she was a speaker. Thank goodness for the people who transcribed her speeches, such as Ain't I a Woman? But she didn't write her story. Uh, Harriet Beecher Stowe actually wrote about Sojourner Truth uh, in an essay she wrote called The Libyan Sybil. You must read that essay. And she tries her hardest to, to capture the story of Sojourner Truth. And in her book, Uncle Tom's Cabin, she tries her hardest to capture the story of Black people. And I love Uncle Tom's Cabin, by the way, as I go into this explanation. But there are many in my community who are sort of offended by Uncle Tom's Cabin because of the way she makes Uncle Tom out to be a hero because of how kind and sweet he is. As a result, many of my people don't finish reading the book. At the end of the book, they don't realize that he really is a hero, a different kind of hero, because he literally sacrifices his life so another female slave can escape to freedom and join her family who had escaped before. But we are so frustrated with how kind Tom is and how beautiful his soul seems to be as written by Harriet Beecher Stowe because of how respectful he is to his slave masters. That is actually offensive to the black community in the general sense. And we fail to see the beauty of Tom and we fail to finish the book and understand that Uncle Tom really wasn't an Uncle Tom. Sojourner Truth, let's go back to Sojourner Truth. She is visiting Harriet Beecher Stowe. And Harriet Beecher Stowe is the one who writes this experience, not Sojourner. And she talks about Sojourner eyeing her with pride and how uncomfortable it made her feel that this black woman would look at her like, I'm your equal. Oh my goodness, I can't believe she sees herself as equal to me. And Sojourner Truth even introduces herself to the various people who were in the home. There were some ministers visiting uh, Harry Beecher Stowe when Sojourner showed up and they all are ministers. And Sojourner looks at all of them with pride in the eye and says, I'm a minister of the gospel too. And Harry Beecher Stowe writes this story as if she's shocked that this woman who is not literate sees herself as equal. On the one hand, we are thankful that Harriet Beecher Stowe captures this moment in history, right? But I would have loved Sojourner to write it herself. I would have loved to seen or understood Sojourner Truth's perspective on this experience. Why am I explaining Sojourner Truth and this encounter with Harriet Beecher Stowe that, again, I love dearly? And I really think everyone, please, even if, if you're an African-American and the story of Tom is frustrating you, please try to work to the end of the book. I promise you, you will not be disappointed. I'm, when I was teaching at Howard, I would make my students read Uncle Tom's Cabin and then we'd come back and talk about it. And the opening question was always, was Uncle Tom really an Uncle Tom? I would have loved Sojourner Truth to have been the, the teller of this, even though I appreciate Harriet Beecher Stowe documenting her experiences with Sojourner Truth, as well as her story, Uncle Tom's Cabin. It's very valuable to understanding our story, but I would have loved that story to be told by us. And so this is what Chinua Achebe was fighting against. He was fighting against 
someone else translating their story. I mean, because sometimes there were white people who will tell the black story and they don't have a racist intent or white supremacist intent, but it's still not their experience. It's sort of like we read the story of Henrietta Lacks. We value how that white woman tried to stay close to the family and capture that story. But we also know that the family of Harriet uh, uh, Henrietta Lacks did not have the literacy to be the storyteller themselves. So at first, they wouldn't tell anyone the story. When the author of the story of Henrietta Lacks first approaches the family, they're very protective. They don't want to talk to her. Eventually, she has to build trust, and they allow her to tell it. They are they are telling her the, her the story. Henrietta Lacks' daughter is helping her tell the story. Henrietta Lacks's daughter dies before the story is finished, and the author is still trying to piece together the story. And we value her for that. And I hope if she's listening, she doesn't think that I am devaluing that. But going back to what Chinua Achebe says at the end of Things Fall Apart, when he recognizes that oftentimes white people will try to translate the story of the Black experience, and there is some editing that happens. It's sort of how we lose the true story of the Bible through the different translations as opposed to just reading the Hebrew or the Latin or the Greek to get the true meaning of what's happening there. So all of this to say, Chinua Achebe is valuable to us because he was a scholar. Now I'm going to talk a minute about his education so you can see how he takes this Western education and uses it to, in a scholarly way, be the keeper of his story. Chinua Achebe went on to go to a college which was called University College. It's now the University of Ibadan. And this university was actually an associate college of the University of London. So let's sit with that for a minute. And let me go on a little bit. Just let that, it was the college, the university he went to in Nigeria was connected to the University of London. So there was a definite curricula that he had to work through that was not necessarily connected to his heritage. I want you to hear what I'm saying, and I'm hoping and praying you're not offended by what I'm saying. This is not, (laughs) I always feel like I'm trying to defend myself as not being woke. I want us to understand the experience of being educated in a Western tradition. And why there is some resistance to it. And all of you all who are listening to me, you've been following me for a long time. You know I'm not against the Western tradition, but I understand the controversy around it. And I'm hoping that as I share the story of Chinua Achebe, you understand where the struggle is. When um, Chinua Achebe went into uh, what used to be called the University College, now the University of Ibadan, he went in to be a doctor. He was studying medicine. But you know, he had to probably work through his liberal arts classes, and he ended up taking some English classes. And in those English classes is what made him decide to leave the field of medicine. Now, some might say, well, it's because he really loved the Western canon. He just fell in love with English literature, and he knew that was his passion. But that's not why he left medicine. And went over to English. After reading Mr. Johnson by Joyce Carey, okay, 
He did not like how that book portrayed the Nigerian characters as either savages or uncivilized people. He also didn't particularly like Heart of Darkness, written by Joseph Conrad. Matter of fact, as he read English literature, he often noticed that when they had when English literature addressed the black black people or anything connected to the black experience, it was not presented in a way that he would have written it that reflected the pride he had in his heritage, in his culture, and in the strength of his people and in the education of his people. Sometimes people think that if people haven't been educated in the Western tradition, they haven't received an education. And saying things like that is even offensive because that is when you say it like that, you're denying the heritage and culture and the stories and the griots of a people. So there has to be a way that we talk about the value of the Western canon without diminishing the value of the heritage of diverse people. And so Achebe is a great example of that. So he's taking these English classes while he's a medical uh, pre-med student. And he's so drawn to, if someone doesn't do something, no one will ever know about the beauty of my people as I see it, as a native of my people. So he leaves the field of medicine. He literally feels so passionate about this that he loses his scholarship and devotes himself to studying classically, studying the Western canon, studying these, this English literature so that he could learn how to now write stories in English, sharing bits of his language in a way where he can portray his people the way he wants to. Like, I wonder if a Black person had written Uncle Tom's Cabin how would Uncle Tom be portrayed? I believe much different because even though Harriet Beecher Stowe was a wonderful Christian woman and she and her father and her family did so much for Black people. One of the main things Harriet Beecher Stowe would do was if she heard about a Black family that's about to be separated through being sold uh, away from a plantation, she and her father would raise the money to buy the freedom of that family so that they didn't have to be separated. But she was working in a space that she was only familiar with. And that space was Black people are enslaved, Black people are uneducated, and on the surface, Black people do appear to be inferior to me. This is why when Sojourner Truth came came to her house, Harriet Beecher Stowe was kind of taken aback at and 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 was taken aback at how Sojourner would look her in the eye and she was kind of uh, put off by how proud Sojourner was. So even Harriet Beecher Stowe, being a woman who served the Black community fiercely, she struggled with seeing their equality. Not in the sense of, I'm better than you, because she looked at Black people, she looked at their circumstances, she didn't know their culture, she didn't know their wisdom and their beauty, like the people themselves knew it for themselves. She only knew that I, as a white woman, have the power to help these people. And a lot of times, 
that mentality accidentally places people in a position where they feel I am superior to you. And so you see in the essays that Harriet Beecher Stowe that she's going through this process of trying to, to work through that challenge in her. And so oftentimes when Black people aren't telling their own story, that tone, oh God, I hope people are hearing my heart and not thinking I'm trying to be bitter. That tone, that that's that sometimes slight misrepresentation and oftentimes horrible misrepresentation comes out in the writing. And so Chinua Achebe says, I'm going to use my education in the classical tradition to be able to write the stories of my people better. And so he kind of becomes this example to other African authors and definitely African-American authors that if we're educated in this way, in this tradition that is now all throughout African schools and American schools, how can we use this not to assimilate, not to to deny our heritage or somehow think our heritage and culture is inferior, but how can we take that literacy and use it as a tool to be the translators of our own story in a universal language so that all people can know the truth about who we are. This is the legacy of Chinua Achebe. I wish I had more time. I wish I had more time to talk about the beauty of this man. But I hope the little bit I've shared with you will encourage you to read him for yourself. Thank you for joining me at Reclaiming Our Canon. The canon has been a powerful tool for so many people. And its purpose is not to elevate a white supremacist ideology. Let's look at it as a universal language, a tool that allows us all to be the keepers of our own stories that we can share with one another, even if we're different. And maybe in doing that, we can become closer together. I look forward to being with you next time.